This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19, is affecting more than our health and even more than our economy. It may also change some of our cultural norms, starting with the handshake. Some medical professionals and others are calling for an end to this common token of friendship, which apparently dates back to the 5th century BC, and the idea is that this would prevent spreading the virus. Now, it's certainly not the first time the handshake has come under scrutiny. Medical authorities in the U.S. called for banning handshakes in clinical settings back in 2014, and many people already revert to fist bumps during cold and flu season. Social media is full of calls to cancel all handshaking. The Catholic Church has made changes to its practice uh, with with uh, things like uh, when parishioners wish each other peace. Uh, what about you? Have you started to refrain from handshaking? Do you think it's a good idea? Uh, we uh, saw what happened. You know, Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany, went to handshake and hug a colleague of hers, and he recoiled. What about that? Uh, I can't think that that was pleasant for her. Uh, what do you think? The number's to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now, we are joined by Dr. Sohail Gandhi, President of the Ontario Medical Association. Neil McCarthy is spokesperson for the Archdiocese of Toronto, and etiquette expert Jessica LaRusso. Hi, all. Thank you for being with us. Good to be with you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Okay, let's start with Dr. Gandhi. Is uh, stopping handshaking a good idea? I think that it's been thought of as a good idea, certainly over the past few years, during, during flu season for sure. So whenever you've got flus, colds, a lot of infectious bugs that tend to run through a community, uh, I think that's a reasonable thing to to consider, and we've seen some really nice creative al- alternatives. You mentioned the fist bump. There's I've also seen elbow bumps. Um, I don't think this means that you shouldn't extend friendship to your colleagues or your friends or your patients, but I think it just shows an awareness that you're trying to help keep everyone safe, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's um, that shows a lot of respect for other people. Okay. Um, let's uh, just, Dr. Gandhi, so how would not, you know, the, the regular flu and COVID-19 are, are a little different in how they spread, so how would uh, refraining from handshaking help stop the spread of the coronavirus? Well, so as we know, it's at this point in time, again, I, I, I must stress that information about the coronavirus, because it's new, it keeps evolving. You know, what we knew two weeks ago is different than what we know now. Uh, but it still appears that the coronavirus in particular is spread uh, through contact. And that means that you actually have to touch something, and that's more important in terms of how it spreads, is you touch something that has the virus on it. And that's um, that's something that, that seems to be a 
we thought of two weeks ago, and that has stayed consistent. And that's one of the reasons why we're also promoting uh, regular hand washing to help uh, help fight this virus. Okay, uh, so it, and the something is not exactly a. Uh, is your hand the something, or you have to touch something, and then your hand gives it to the person whose hand you shake? Is that so, it? So you could, you know, you could uh, touch the hand of someone who's got the coronavirus and doesn't know it, and it, just uh, shaking the hand would transmit it to you. You you could potentially touch. Um, piece of food. I mean, we generally do suggest washing your hands before and after you eat. That's that's good etiquette, and it's also healthy for you. Uh, so it could uh, potentially be on food. So um, it's a very weak virus. It's still thought of as a very weak virus, but it can stay on, on multiple objects. Okay. Uh, let's bring in Neil McCarthy. Uh, hi, Neil. Hi, Libby. How have you changed the practice in the church? Well, actually, if we go back a few years when we had the SARS situation in the greater Toronto area, um, we did at that time ask our parishes to refrain from um, offering the handshake at the sign of peace and to uh, replace that with a, a nod or a bow or a smile. And so interestingly enough, we did get to a point after SARS um, where we went back to sort of our regular liturgical practices. But at that time, uh, many people kind of continued with the nod or the bow, and that sort of became the the custom for many parishes. We've got uh, 225 in the Archdiocese of Toronto. So I know at my own church last weekend, uh, I think one person reached over to shake my hand, who I knew quite well. But um, beyond that, it was um, really just the nods and the bows that have, have been in place for, for a number of years. Um, at this time, obviously, we're consulting with the, the local uh, municipal and provincial uh, health officials. They haven't asked us to alter our liturgical practices, but um, as Dr. Ghani mentioned, we're asking people to practice that healthy hygiene and to self-regulate. So obviously, if someone's not feeling well, um, they they shouldn't be feeling obligated to be at church. Um, and if they are at church and they're not feeling comfortable um, with a handshake or recognizing that um, they want to be, um, you know, proactive in, in that regard, then the nod or the bow is a smile is the way to go. And so, um, you know, obviously we want to um, be prudent and we also want to make sure we're not panicking. So it's that, that balance that's really important because, um, you know, for so many people, they want to make sure that they're still friendly and kind to their neighbors. And we want to encourage that, obviously, but we also want to be prudent and, uh, and safe for everyone. Have you uh, changed anything when it comes to communion, you know, wine and wafers? Yeah, there are very few um, parishes, probably less than 10 in the archdiocese, that actually offer um, what we call communion under both species, so the, the, the cup and um, the communion host. And so, um, again, we're saying to people that um, in some cases, some of those churches are no longer offering um, the, the, what we refer to as the precious blood, the cup. And, um, and where they may still be doing that, we will say to people that, you know, if you're not comfortable um, receiving uh, in that manner to, to, to not come forward, or just to receive the host. Um, we haven't elevated it to the point where um, we've made uh, kind of uh, restrictions across the archdiocese, and that's something that, you know, pretty much every couple of days we're in touch with uh, local health officials to make sure that if we need to get to that point, um, we won't hesitate to do that. But we've uh, been told to this point we don't need to alter the liturgical practices just yet.
Okay, uh, let's bring in Jessica LaRusso. Now, Jessica, what happens? I've, I've cited the example of German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Uh, right. She went to uh, shake a hand or, or um, hug and uh, the other person recoiled. Uh, so what do you say in that situation if somebody extends a hand for a handshake and, and the, the, the person on the other end doesn't want to do it? But so, I, I mean, how do you avoid bad feelings? feelings? Well, there's many reasons why someone wouldn't uh, want to shake your hand. It could be for um, uh, medical reasons, such as someone has arthritis and shaking hands could be painful, for example, or they're not comfortable or cultural reasons as well. I I think she handled it brilliantly. She was put on the spot and um, her assistant, if you watch that video, um, went and put her hands on her chest and bowed to show acknowledgement because that's the most important thing. And then she um, stopped for a moment, was a little bit shocked, but she gained her composure. But she said, okay, she agreed. She didn't push it. And then she came back to actually acknowledge him and greet him again. But she showed her hands, which I think is really, really important because The reason why we shake hands is to build trust, to build that connection between two people. And another reason why we shake hands is because there are chemicals that are released that that bring us together, dopamine. We also gauge whether this person is competent enough to work with, whether we trust them, whether it's someone we want to interact with. So it's important that even though we want to stop, uh, you know, shaking hands because there is uh, a concern, we still have to make those signals, those physical signals, uh, nonverbal communication to show that they're important, we acknowledge them, and we trust them. So I liked her when she came back and acknowledged him with the open hands. And there's many, many ways to do that. Okay, uh, let me just give people a bit of background on the handshake. So uh, it dates back, apparently, to the 5th century BC in Greece. It was a symbol of peace, showing that neither person was carrying a weapon. During the Roman era, the handshake was actually more of an arm grab. It involved grabbing each other's forearms to check that neither man, and obviously this is for men, had a knife hidden up his sleeve. And some say that the shaking gesture of the handshake started in medieval Europe, where knights would shake the hand of others in attempt to shake loose any hidden weapons. And that kind of reminds me, when you set a table, the knife has the blade facing in, and that's uh, so so people can't stab each other at dinner. Um, so uh, that's just, uh, you know, FYI for our information uh you know it's i think involved into something a lot more peaceful now um let's take a couple of calls let's go to ron in guelph hi ron hi libby thanks for taking the call um i'm 71 years old so obviously i grew up in an era when um you were taught as a child to uh, be respectful and, and shake your somebody's hand but, um, you know, everybody thought Howie Mandel was crazy about 10 years ago when he started the fist bump, didn't they? Well, Howie Mandel has a, he's got a OCD, obsessive compulsive, yep. and he's a germaphobe. So I, I don't know that we should want to be emulating him exactly. He's talked about that. It's, it's, a, it's a mental illness, actually. 
Well, no, but I mean, now it's becoming, I mean, I, I drive the school bus. I mean, with the kids on I bus, I mean, um, for the most part, I give the kids a fist bump and they all love it. I mean, you still, you can still, nothing wrong with smiling as you, you know, give somebody a friendly fist pump, you know. I guess it's just, you know, in this era, you know, I'm, I mean, we're so much worried about whether it's the flu or the COVID-19, um, everybody's worried about it so are our time changing who knows um yeah okay ron thanks for that okay bye bye dr gandy where's the line between uh you know a, a decent precaution and and being obsessive compulsive so uh, you know i think that if it affects your life if you're being cautious but it doesn't affect how you uh, go to work it doesn't affect your relationships with friends or families it doesn't affect the quality of your work or um, your enjoyment of life, then that's a decent precaution. If you are taking some precautions or some steps and they are so extreme that your quality of your work goes down, your relationships go down, you're not enjoying life, then that's probably uh, where the line is drawn. Uh, And I have a question that uh, if you fist bump, will that prevent a spread? you know, I know that, for instance, after a tennis game, the convention is to shake hands, and we often fist bump because we've been touching dirty balls and all of that, especially in cold season. But will a fist bump uh, prevent spread of this? So I will say that I've yet to see a study comparing handshakes and fist bumps in terms of transmission of viruses. And as you know, I'm supposed to only talk about things that uh, have been studied. Having said that, I would think that the risk of transmission is lower simply because fist bumps are just so quick, right? Like it's just, it takes a second and handshakes generally take longer. And I would also point out if there's some people who are concerned even about that, there's nothing wrong with smiling at the other person. A smile really helps to make a connection and is very open and it's very inviting and Smiling is the nice thing to do. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that'll cut it after a tennis game. Uh, let's take a call from Roy in Etobicoke. Interesting question you have, Roy. Yes, thank you for taking my call. My question for the doctor is, is it possible to transfer coronavirus through currency, whether you're going you know, to a restaurant or grocery shopping and you're passing bills back and forth. Is that possible? Now, before uh, we get the answer to that, I say very interesting, Iran asked people to stop using paper currency. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, let's uh, give that first to Dr. Gandhi. Sure. So the uh, paper can uh, transmit viruses, but having said that, the virus doesn't live very long uh, to begin with. So, you know, I would say that while it's possible, the risk is, is actually quite low. It's probably a reasonable precaution to take in an area where there's endemic spread of the virus, right? If it's all over the place, that would be a reasonable precaution to take. Having said that, yeah, as I mentioned, I think the last time I was on your show, Libby, we have, what, 22 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Ontario, and we've so far had uh, about 15,000 cases of the flu in Ontario. So I I have to tell you, I don't believe that that's something we should be looking at right now. Okay. So if you if you were a cashier, it would be wise to wear at least rubber gloves. Yeah, the the you know the the virus as I know it is is just it's not a very strong virus. Like it it dies pretty quickly. So I, I wouldn't suggest that just yet. But I, I would again have to tell you that 
what we know now is more than we knew two weeks ago, and two weeks from now we'll know more. So, Okay, okay Roy, you. thanks. Okay, I would like to bring in Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, uh, who's here with me. And, and Dr. Gorfinkel, you, you think, um, no, we shouldn't ban handshakes. No, I, I don't think we should ban handshakes at all. And in fact, I'm, I'm listening to this conversation about money and about, you know, potential transfer of it. And I have to say, I roll my eyes and shake my head simultaneously. Why is that? Because we are surrounded by a microbial world. There's nothing on our surfaces anywhere that is free of microbes. You recognize your nose, your eyes, your, it, there's microbes everywhere. In fact, we cannot live without such microbes. So that said, imagine you go to a store, you touch any item on the shelf, and guess what? Every single item has a history. You touch a surface, the armchairs in your doctor's office, the stethoscope that the doctor places on your chest. Where do we draw the line? Um, Presumably, those things are clean. Now, what um, you were saying that if a patient, Dr. Gorfinkel, uh, you know, outstretches their hand, you'll shake their hand. I will most definitely shake their hand, and I will not hesitate to shake their hand. First of all, it's a human contact, as one of the callers wisely made. And on top of that, to not shake their hand is to send another message. Either that message can be, you're infected, or I'm infected, or we're infected together, and it's terrible. And I just don't believe that. I think that we've been using human touch for the millennia, and we will continue to use human touch. Now, do I need to wash my hands? Of course I'll wash my hands. But that said, I'm not going to back away in fear when my patient reaches out their hand to shake it. Uh, Dr. Gandhi, are you shaking hands with your patients? If they offer it, but I also do use sanitizer after every... uh patient visit. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, there's kind of a, a, a line, I guess, between uh, stuff that's hysterical. And, you know, somebody's asking about currency, but we just reported Iran, a country, uh, saying don't use currency. And Neil McCarthy, what are you telling your parishioners? And are you are you having questions that you think are kind of over the line of hysteria? Well, I think part of it is uh, we have parishioners and just the general public that are consuming media reports that are usually talking about the most dramatic cases that we're seeing worldwide. And sometimes people are saying we need to apply uh, those practices here um, when, in fact, there's a situation that's in a, a very different in a different part of the world, say in China or, or other uh, places like Italy, certainly a large Catholic community there. Um, so, you know, it's it's always a challenge because if we uh, f- if it seems that you're not doing anything, then people feel that, you know, you don't care. And then if you implement some changes, then people often say you're being too restrictive. So what we're trying to do, you know, as I said earlier, is to be prudent but not cause panic, to, to consult with medical officials and make sure we're acting on good information. There's lots of information out there, but getting good, credible information, uh, following their lead. Uh, and also people self-regulating, right? I mean, if you meet someone and and you're not feeling well, you've got the flu, you may say, I'm not going to shake hands today because I'm not feeling well. And so those are all things that we can do. We can wash our hands. We can um, determine if we don't feel comfortable, um, you know, shaking hands with someone. But there are going to be people, and certainly I was at an event earlier this week with 1,800 people in the room. There were lots of handshaking going on. People felt very comfortable. So it's 
try and be respectful of the other person, but at the same time, we want to make sure that um, we're acting on good information. We're prudent, but we're not going to panic. Okay. Uh, Neil McCarthy, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Libby. Okay. Take care. Okay. Um, Jessica LaRusso, so we've heard about uh, fist bumps, elbow bumps, which look really, really weird and awkward, uh, yes, foot shaking, foot foot tapping and the most sensible one i think that i heard about was the namaste which is uh the indian greeting it's it, you bow your head and you have your hands in a in a prayer prayer in a prayer position which is uh respectful absolutely uh you really have to handshaking i, I believe with the we have with the other doctor is not going to change i still handshake i'm respectful i do use my social intelligence, which is reading the room, looking at the other person to see if they would like to engage or not, or or would like to uh, greet in a different way. There are many ways to greet a person, but the important thing is to greet them. And there's, there's four ways that you greet someone. You would remove a barrier. So if, if you're sitting down, you're going to stand up to acknowledge them and show them that they have value. Or if you're behind a counter, you're going to come out from that counter. You're going to uh, make eye contact, uh, especially in North America. That is norm and respected and expected. And you're going to, of course, uh, smile. Even if you have uh, spinach in your teeth, a wide tooth full smile is important. And lastly, you're going to extend your hand. Uh, If the person doesn't feel comfortable for whatever reason, extend uh oh, um, that's uh, obviously some kind of technical. Ooh, um, we uh, we will have to get back both Jessica and Doctor Candy. I don't know what happened uh, with the phones there, but in the meantime, we can take a couple of calls. We've got Paul in Kitchener. Hi, Paul. Oh, hi. How are you, Libby? Fine. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I've ordered a custom suit for my daughter's wedding from a, a company here. It's quite a large company, but they send out all the measurements and the suit is actually made in China. So my question is, is that in the coronavirus live on, on clothing and for how long and is it safe to open this because it's shipped directly to my home? What we know about viruses and how long they live. Now, because we don't have great information on the coronavirus specifically, but almost certainly you could take the information that we do have and extrapolate it to some degree at this point. If it's a wet surface, it's going to live a longer time than if it's a dry surface. And the dry surface hours are probably in the range of three to six hours. It's not that long. And the truth is, it's not just a question of, is the virus there at all? It has to be there in high enough concentration to make any difference at all. And on top of it, you would have to literally take it in and breathe it in because it's, it's transferred by large droplet spread. So I ask you, you know, that scenario that you described has a zero chance of, like for all intents and purposes, it's actually zero of transmitting the coronavirus. Uh- if you're really nervous, Paul, I'd say have the suit dry clean before you wear it. That's, uh, but not for purposes of coronavirus. Yeah. Like if you're going to have a dry clean, you're going to have a dry clean because you're thinking that there's dust or who knows what else. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
You're very welcome. Okay, we uh, now have both Jessica LaRusso and Dr. Gandhi. Uh, you know, questions like that, I think it's pretty good to clarify, you know, that don't worry about money and don't worry about, you know, uh, the, the, our last caller who's worried about a suit that he ordered from China. I'm, I mean, I think if anything, you've got to worry that it, it, are the, the people who are making the suit, are they actually at work and are you going to get it on time for the wedding? That's what I'd be worried about. And I think we also have to worry about people not ordering suits because they come from China. And I, I take issue with racial profiling. I really worry about that. That's a, that's a thing. And, and already our, our restaurants in Chinatown here in Toronto have seen a, a significant hit from that. And that's a pity, because remember, in all of Canada, we're talking about 30 cases, 29 of which were basically colds. Not fair, not right. The chance of any one Canadian coming in contact with coronavirus, as we now sit, is zero, pretty much. Um, but, uh, Dr. Gandhi, I mean, we've seen the federal authorities. I mean, I was shocked, frankly, when I heard the federal health minister, Patty Haidu, telling people to stock up on supplies. And, and interestingly, I was talking to a friend of mine whose wife just had a baby last week, and he told me he went to Costco and they were cleaned out of diapers. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I must admit I was a bit caught off guard by that. The World Health Organization is uh, has not declared a pandemic yet. They they may, and and I want to emphasize that just because they call it a pandemic doesn't necessarily mean that you should stock up even at that point. Uh, I'm not aware of any other provincial government that is recommending that, and certainly. And again, you know my bias from having been on the show before. Certainly when I look around and I see that this year 3,500 people are going to die of the flu and everyone's talking about this COVID-19 that, um, as Dr. Gorfinkel said, only 30 people in the country have it and only one seems to be a serious case. You know, I have to say I find that quite surprising that the federal health minister said that. And again, if this does lead to people washing their hands more and practicing better hygiene, covering their mouths when they cough and and doing all of that, that, that's obviously a good thing. But uh, I just think that that it seems to me like we need to not panic and just just be a little bit um, thoughtful in how we approach things. I, I would point out something interesting. Thank you for that, Dr. Gandhi. What's fascinating about that is if there were another 30 deaths Never mind cases. 30 deaths from influenza. It would not even make the grade of reporting. Not when it comes to influenza. And what happens? We're sitting there counting on some kind of stopwatch every single case of coronavirus that's, that's confirmed. And what's happening is that it redefines our perception of what reality genuinely is. It is so gone beyond the beyond, I can hardly believe it. Our reality is not defined by science, it's ra- our, our, our absolute numbers, what we're seeing. No, it's defined by how many times have you heard the word in the media. That's it. I, well, I mean, you know, when the, the, the government authorities are, are, you know, they're the one. I mean, I was shocked when I heard that because that seems like really the only thing I can think of is that because there was a problem in China, that's going to affect supplies of a lot of things here. There's no question about that. There's been a run on masks in Ontario already. And right? hand, I can hardly I mean, get my hands on, on masks. And there are people charging hundreds of dollars for hand sanitizers. I mean, it's 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 just okay. I'm going to use the word crazy. Uh, so how about <laughs> dystopian. It, it it it. Some of it really really is. But 
I'd like to get to maybe a silver lining, and I, I, I tried to bring this up with other guests, that one of the things that we're seeing are videos online about the proper way to wash your hands and telling people that, well, you probably don't wash your hands well enough. So uh, is that a uh, silver lining? And, and maybe, uh, Dr. Gandhi, can you go over the proper length of time to wash your hands and the way to wash your hands? So, uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point there, because just so you know, this afternoon, you, Libby, yeah. are going to be challenged, yeah. put up a video by me uh, on social media on how to wash your hands properly, because it's one of the things we're doing at the OMA. We're putting out a we're putting out uh, these short videos on it called a hand wash challenge, where people need to wash their hands for 20 seconds, and they have to. I'm cover, doing it. Uh, you know, we're streaming now. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't have soap on my hands, but I've been doing it. I don't and, know if it's 20 seconds. To think of 20 seconds is. It's it's like singing uh, Happy Birthday twice. Apparently, if you sing Happy Happy Birthday twice while you're washing your hands, that adds up to close to twenty or around twenty seconds. Um, I personally prefer a different song, so I, I <laughs> going to be try. pretty old by the end of it. Yeah, I, I try very hard to sing. I don't do a very good job. It actually sounds awful, but it goes for twenty seconds, and I'm going to try and challenge you to pick a song while you're washing your hands for twenty seconds and covering every surface. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> Zeev, you hear that? We've we've got more work this afternoon. Uh, the, the other it reminds me. I, I I have a gargle that I sometimes take for a sore throat, and the doctor told me to, and it's not easy to gargle, like gargling O Canada twice. Oh, Canada oh. twice. Like oh my oh, god, that's oh, yeah. Serious. <laughs> Don't aspirate. That's the thing. If you're going to be singing and gargling, that sounds like yeah. a challenge. A bigger challenge than Dr. Gandhi's challenge, I might add. Okay, but it, but it is, is that so that most people don't wash their hands properly? Not for 20 seconds and, and certainly covering every surface because you, you have to cover all the knuckles and the web spaces in between. Uh, so that that's important to do when you wash your hands properly. Yeah, it's a challenge for doctors to do, never mind. You know, they take a close look at how many doctors and nurses are doing it, and we are failing largely. We are trying, but we are failing. One of the nice things about hand sanitizer is that it does stick around a little longer, and that being the case, it just takes time to evaporate, so we don't have to proactively do anything in that case. Yeah, I've also seen things about hand sanitizers, that it has to be on for a certain period of time on your hands. It's 30 seconds, actually. Yeah, um, and, and and uh, do they? Does it ever? Do you ever get sort of used to the hand sanitizer so that it doesn't work? I've heard stuff like that. That's not, not true. Not that right? I'm aware of. Okay, let's take a call from Case in Caledon. Hi, Case. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, okay, I'm, this is a bit strange, maybe, but uh, transmission from uh, dogs, for example, to uh, to the human. We know that dogs are quite friendly. And um, they're aggressive. They'll even uh, jump up and lick your face, you know, stand on their hind legs. And uh, then next thing you know, they uh, you greet somebody uh, on the road walking the dog, and they may lick your face uh, to bend down, you know, to pet them. So I just wonder that aspect, if there's a transmission possible there. It, I, I'll jump in on that. I think absolutely no. there's transmission. There's transmission of a myriad of bacteria and viruses. Dogs' mouths are not just dirty. They're extremely dirty. Yeah. But that said, you know, we got to weigh it against what the dogs give us. And they give us a tremendous amount socially. 
They make us feel needed. They make they give us a sense of generativity, belonging. You know, so yes, there is that potential. And what do I do? I bend down, I get right down and dirty with that dog. I touch the dog, pet the dog, love it, and then wash my hands after. <laughs> I, I, I heard that we can give the virus to the dogs, but the dogs not so much giving it no, to us. No, no, we, we no. Don't, we don't know enough about the virus uh, to know about animal transmission, and I'm not aware of a single case of animal transmission of this virus. And, you know, uh, again, it's just, just how far do you go in terms of, of the uh, information that's out there. There is, unfortunately, the biggest problem with this virus, quite frankly, is that there's a lot of misinformation out there, and there's social media that's amplifying some of that misinformation, just like it does for, for other issues. So uh, I would suggest that people go to Ontario.ca slash coronavirus. It's the government's uh, website on this particular virus. It's updated daily. The Ontario Medical Association helps to contribute information to this particular website. So let's not let's not talk about stuff. Uh, and and just to clarify, I wasn't talking about that coronavirus. It doesn't really help the situation. Yeah, I wasn't talking about coronavirus. Just to clarify, I no, was I talking about bacteria in general. In the dog, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, was yeah, no, clear. I know, but it's just yeah. to, with respect to transmission of this particular virus. Let's not uh, let's not yeah. amplify that. Okay, Case, thanks for your call. Uh, we're starting to uh, run out of time on this. Uh, Jessica LaRusso, what would you like to leave us with? So I'd like to, after listening to the great doctor and stuff, and, and, and in Winnipeg, again here, we have people buying out toilet paper instead of diapers and uh, not going to Chinatown uh, here. But what I'd like to say or leave you with is that you know, when we look at etiquette and manners, um, modern etiquette and manners are really mirrored in safety rules. So, for example, we take our hat off at the table before we eat dinner. And the reason why is because all of those germs and dirt and stuff from outside is on our hat. We don't want it in our food. Politely washing hands, um, doing things that uh, we think are mannerly, but really they're mirrored in safety rules. So, if we're pleasant to each other and acknowledge each other and really consider the other person, that's what that's what I would like to leave you with today. Okay, Jessica, thanks for that. And Iris, what would you like to leave us with? Keep things in perspective. 30 cases in all of Canada so far, 29 of which have essentially been common colds. Thousands of deaths from influenza. I, I think the take-home message is your chance of actually getting coronavirus is, at, at least at this point, for all intents and purposes, zero. And as far as shaking someone's hand, if you're my patient, hold it out to me because I'm going to take it and shake it. And Dr. Gandhi? So again, get information from a reputable source. Go to Ontario.ca slash coronavirus. It's reputable. It's up to date. Ontario's physicians have contributed to that website. Uh, practice good hygiene at all times. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. And let's not, uh, let's not let fear uh, set in. Okay. Thank you, everyone. And people, if we couldn't get your call, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow. Thank you to doctors Sohail Gandhi, Iris Gorfinkel, and etiquette expert Jessica LaRusso. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.